0: Welcome to another episode of Lineage Speaks, the podcast, an anthology series of women sharing the stories of how they carry the torch for future generations. I'm your host, Martelana Don Turpel, and today, sharing her chapter, we have Trisha McKenna. Trisha McKenna is the creator of a heart-grounded movement and offers mentoring services as well as heart-centered real estate services. In 2014, Trisha was a recipient of the Top 40 Under 40 Award from the Young Professional Network for Realtors. Committed to a daily spiritual practice, she has transformed her early childhood health problems, family trauma, and addictions. Driven by her own journey, Trisha is focused on empowering others to achieve their dreams. Yet unstuck, break destructive habits and patterns in their lives so that they can experience freedom, self-expression, joy, and abundance. Whether it's personal, business, or financial aspects of your life, Trisha incorporates birth charts, kundalini yogic science, meditation, and energetic practices to help you achieve your dreams. Trisha currently resides in Arizona with her husband, Paul, and her dog, Raya. She is a proud mom, wife, daughter, sister, and entrepreneur. Chapter
1: 16, Tricia McKenna, The Creation of a Heart Grounded. Do you ever wonder where some of your thoughts and beliefs come from, or how your thoughts and beliefs impact your life as you know it? When we were born, we are vulnerable to those that are caring for us, and we trust them to take care of us and guide us and nurture us. Many children are born from lineages that are less than ideal, and yet somehow they find a way to find a thriving life. Those that have taken early childhood struggles and turned them into blessings have always inspired me. This is the notion that inspired me to share my story. My journey is one of hard scrabble life and heart-fought victories. All of my challenges have opened up new insights and spiritual paths that led me to a life I'm learning to love and lessons I want to share with others. I've personally battled back from alcohol and drug use family neglect, and childhood health problems. I am a mom, a veteran real estate broker, a Kundalini yoga teacher, and the creator of a Heart Grounded Movement. My passion is helping uplift others to find their own light by helping them develop their own spiritual practice and allowing them to experience healing, prosperity, and joy in their homes and personal lives. I was born in the cool fall month of October in Western New York, On the first day of my life, my precious physical body was fighting to be whole, healthy, and complete. I know now what was making me ill is known as the herpes zoster virus, and I have recently found out that some babies don't even survive the birthing process when they have this. What this means for me is I have a a compromised immune system and can be overly tired and sick a lot. I'm so grateful God did not give up on me after I was born and continued to guide me on my path no matter how many times I tried to take an exit. A few years back, I found a letter written by my oldest sister that she wrote to my mom and I while I was in the hospital after my mom gave birth to me. We were in the hospital a little bit longer because of my illness. Reading this letter now as an adult, it reminds me how hard it was for all of us at that time and how we were all fighting for survival in our own ways. Challenges and blessings. Growing up, I was the youngest of three girls. When I was just one year old, my mom decided for good to live a life apart from my father. My dad was a Vietnam veteran who had PTSD and suffered from side effects of Agent Orange. He was absent for most of my early childhood due to excessive drug and alcohol use. When I was nine, my dad became sober enough to be a part of our lives and I was able to visit him on the weekends. My dad tried really hard to be there for me once he was sober. He would talk about his conversations with God and how God saved him after he suffered a stroke and heart attack. My dad was born on Christmas day and he was the seventh son born into his family. Dad felt this made his relationship with God very special. And at times I heard him talking about being the son of God. He told me that when you have a relationship with God, you're never alone. He loved God with all his heart and often in his struggles would cry out to God. Knowing what I know now, I know my mom was doing the best she could when she made the tough decision to leave our home with my sisters and me when I was just a baby. She thought that leaving my dad was best for us because he was deep in his mental health issues, suffering from PTSD, and using alcohol and drugs to cope. For me, my poor health continued through my adolescent years. It often included missing school and extracurricular activities and frequent visits to the doctor for tests and allergy shots. My mom was trying really hard to keep me active and even placed me in an indoor soccer league one winter. During this time, I was very close with my oldest sister. I remember struggling to keep up with schoolwork and with my grades and it barely allowed me to move to the next grade level each year. When I was 11 years old, I experienced a long cold and flu season. I became sicker than normal and was having several issues with my left eye. There was an 18 month span that I recall when I was homeschooled and in and out of the hospital while the doctors were trying to figure out what was happening with me. My dad's brother would come and pray over me and share the word of God with me during those times. After several hospital stays and many laser surgeries later, I had my left eye surgically removed this summer between 7th and 8th grade. Being surrounded by so much uncertainty, what I actually remember most was being so angry that my eye socket would not be ready for a prosthetic eye in time for an 8th grade dance that I had been invited to and that I would still be wearing an eye patch. I hated that I had to wear an eye patch. Everything about it was just so terrible. The tape would make me break out my eyelashes would get all gooey and my eye socket itched a lot. The impact of losing my eye truly took a toll on my sense of self-worth and confidence. Still today, I often struggle to enjoy getting pictures taken and I'm very uncomfortable on video and often bump into people in crowded areas because the lack of peripheral vision I experience. Something funny that happens to me a lot is when I talk about my artificial eye, people ask me if I can see out of it. Wild child. After my eye was removed, I returned to school in time for ninth grade and entered high school. I had my first alcoholic drink when I was just 13 years old. I remember the day clearly. The Buffalo Bills were playing the Miami Dolphins in the AFC championship game. I was hanging out with a bunch of older teenagers my sister had invited over. They thought I was super cool because I was able to shotgun a beer on my first attempt. My drinking subsided a bit when my first nephew, Alex, was born. I was blessed to be the one entrusted with his care on the weekends while my sister and her husband worked weekend jobs to make ends meet. I would go to school from Monday to Friday, and on Friday, my sister would pick me up and I would stay at her apartment and babysit my nephew while her and her husband worked weekend jobs to make ends meet. When I was 14, my sister moved away to Arizona and I became the only child left at home. I filled my time with chasing boys, drinking and acting wild. At 15, I tried other drugs. One summer night, I was out with a girlfriend chasing boys and I crashed my dad's brand new geo tracker on the way home. We were trying to put the convertible top down while driving and ended up in the ditch. We were both in rough shape from the crash and it would not be the only one of my dad's vehicles that I ended up crashing. By God's grace, I graduated high school in Angola, New York. After graduation, I met my son's father. Two months later at 17 years old, I found out was pregnant. In May of 1998, my first son was born. Six weeks after he was born, I found out his dad had been cheating on me throughout my entire pregnancy. I was in shock when I heard from the other girl. At this time, my mom and sisters had already all left New York and moved to Arizona. With no immediate family, I was determined to get out of New York and decided to pack up what I could and fly my two-month-old son and I to Arizona to be around my family who could help me. After a few months in Arizona, my son's father followed me there. I held on to hope that it was a sign he was changing, that things would be different. When my first son was just nine months old, I found out I was pregnant once again. At that time, I found a way for us to get our own studio apartment in Mesa. I was working as a waitress and taking full-time 18 credit hours at a community college. My son's father was a stay-at-home parent. One night when I returned home after work, our neighbor's boyfriend came pounding on our apartment door looking for my son's father. He was screaming at him about being at a party at the girlfriend's home and accusing my son's father of some really terrible things. Shortly after that experience, my son's father was on a Greyhound bus back to New York never to return to Arizona. My second son was born that December. For six years, I raised my two beautiful boys on my own, by God's grace, without a penny from their father. For the first few years on my own with my boys, I was able to remain sober. Really, it was because I had no time for anything else. As my boys got a little older and started elementary school, I became more comfortable leaving them with babysitters so I could go out with my roommates. In one home we lived in, I had two other single moms living with us, We would pool our money together and hire a sitter so the three of us could go out for ladies' nights, which actually consisted of a lot of drinking and some nights even drugs. For a few months, I even found myself working at a club to make ends meet. New chapters and lessons. In 2005, I met my now husband at a job one of my ex-boyfriends helped me get. God can be funny like that. My husband inspired me to get into real estate. He happened to have two sons like me, so we wanted to have some flexibility for someone to be home when our boys came home from school. We had worked together for over a year before we started dating. What first started out as a friendship turned into us moving in together. My youngest son was struggling at this time in my life. He struggled to keep up in school and was getting in trouble a lot at home. I was doing a lot of research on how I could help him when a friend invited me to a seminar at the University of Phoenix. This is where I first learned that a child's emotional health and brain function can be affected by the state of the mother's womb as early as six months preconception. I was absolutely mind blown when I learned this at the seminar. I had gone into it to find information to help my son, but instead I found the information God wanted me to find to help me heal myself. After the convention, I started to investigate what my mom's life was like six months before I conceived and became curious as to what thought patterns and energies she had that I was exposed to in utero that would have contributed to my health and life experiences to this point. A few years later, my son started to transition to living out of the home my eldest son got a football scholarship and moved to South Dakota while my youngest son moved in with my sister. Suddenly I found myself living without the two boys that I had been in charge of for over half of my life. Nobody could have prepared me for having my kids transition out of the home. My life as i known it felt like it was falling apart. I felt completely out of control. For weeks after dropping my son off at college, I was super depressed. I'd go into his room and cry for hours at end and constantly check on him at college, a habit he was super annoyed about. My husband was so confused by my behavior. He thought it was a time of celebration for our son as well as us as we entered empty nest season. As far as he saw it, everything was going well and I wanted to see it that way too. Having the boys out of the home allowed my husband and I to spend more time together. I started to get us to try new things like painting in order to build our connection. One of my very first paintings was A Heart with Roots. I shared this painting in a women's group, and the women shared that it looked like something that belonged on the cover of a book. I named the painting A Heart Grounded. Becoming A Heart Grounded. In December 2018, I got a strong conviction from the Holy Spirit to stop drinking once and for all. On a Monday morning in January, 2019, I went to a 12 step meeting after another weekend of stressing out about how my son and husband were living their lives. I was experiencing overwhelming feelings that things were not going as planned. Once again, I was living my days, worrying and stressing about everyone else, except myself, this caused me to be distracted throughout my work days. And I felt physically exhausted. It was terrible enough for me to seek relief from my emotional pain by going to a meeting that morning. I remember the day so clearly. I was at work and most of my thoughts were so focused on everything that was going wrong in my life that I decided to just surrender to God and ask him to show me what I could do right now to stop the suffering. It was at that moment I heard a message, look for a 12-step meeting near you. It was around 10.45 a.m. when I did the Google search and I found out that there was a meeting starting a half mile from my office at 12 noon. I stepped into the room and heard what I needed to hear. I immediately asked one of the ladies who shared her story that day if she would sponsor me. I was ready to do whatever it took to get myself out of this dark place. She graciously accepted but took a few days to reach out to me when she told me she would call me that night. I can laugh now sharing this but back then I felt rejected by her when I did not hear from her that night. All my feelings went into overdrive all over again. She finally reached out a couple days later and apologized for taking so long. She explained what had been going on with her and then offered help and told me what would come next. We got along very well because we're both married and we had teenage children. I immediately started working on the 12 steps. The first two steps were rather easy for me because I already believed in God, thanks to my uncle and my dad. I even believed it was my faith in God that had gotten me through my life until then. But things became really uncomfortable when my sponsor had me start working on step four, which is making a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. This is where the real work starts. This is where I pulled out all the choices I had made up until this point. My sponsor had me start journaling all the memories I had all the way from my first memory to the current day. I found this very challenging I had very few memories to share prior to the medical trauma I experienced as a young girl. This remains the most uncomfortable part of my spiritual practice, even till today. Step 11, in July, 2019, I started working on step 11 of the 12-step retreats sought through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with the God as we understand him, praying only for his knowledge and his will for us to carry that out. My meditation practice came to me in the form of a 10-week kundalini yoga meditation program based on the 10 energetic bodies. When the program started, I was the first participant to complete the 40-day, 22-minute challenge. I was able to keep up with it because I felt different after the first few attempts, and I wanted to continue feeling that way. In January 2020, I received my one-year chip in the 12-step program. Because of my reliance on God, I've been able to persevere through the hardest of times. It has helped me develop a daily spiritual discipline in the form of a non-negotiable daily spiritual practice. Since establishing that, I've been able to stop drinking, lose 30 pounds, heal my relationships, grow my prosperous business, including earning a YPN top 40 under 40 award, and helping my adult children financially transition to adulthood. Slowly but surely my thoughts of being broken, not being enough and worst case scenarios happening to my family members are all being rewired. My path is now being directed to being a heart grounded. Today, my daily spiritual practice consists of waking up before sunrise to have alone time with God every single day. Upon waking up, I do a wake up set in bed and then thank God when I put my feet on the ground. After that, I drink 32 ounces of warm lemon water and I move outside or to my meditation space for my time alone with God. This is when I practice my kundalini yoga and do my meditation practice before starting the rest of my day. I also have a meditation prayer practice I do before bed. In the kundalini yoga community, it is said that when we heal ourselves, we can heal the seven generations that came before us and up to seven generations after us. For me, Kundalini Yoga is the fastest way I can enter a state of peace and joy. I'm forever grateful for the multiple people throughout my life that talked about God and shared their faith with me. I now see certain milestones in my life where God took me out of bad situation and redirected me to people he placed in my life. Helping others to go within and to learn more about themselves, to develop their own spiritual practice so they can too learn to be a heart grounded remains a true passion of mine. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter who you are with, the one contributing factor in all circumstances is you. You are with you from the time you come out of the womb until the time you die. You will spend the most amount of time with yourself. So why not get to know yourself better? Taking time every day to get to know yourself, work on yourself, forgive yourself, and offer yourself compassion is one of the most transformational things you can do in this life form.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us if you found this podcast to be helpful in your journey. If you would like to experience more from the other women who contributed to this series, you can purchase a digital or printed copy of Lineage Speaks on Amazon. All proceeds go to elamugirls.com, a nonprofit organization giving young girls aged 14 to 18 in Kenya a choice, a voice, and a bank account, saving girls in Kenya from genital mutilation, sex tourism, or becoming a child bride and changing their lineage story. Once again, thank you for listening. And remember, you get to write your own story, how it connects you to the stories of the past, and how you guide the stories of the future. Until the next episode, honor the light within you and let it guide your way on.